like I said, you know, I'm uh, listening to you as a teenager, and uh, you know, you hear nothing but hit plus hit plus hit, uh, and then trying to figure out what happened after you know you guys dropped two albums and then Greatest Hits album. Mm-hmm. Uh, what ha- what happened to the group after the Greatest Hits album dropped? After the Greatest Hits album dropped, see, all right, so everybody stopped waving at me. Uh, okay so after the the greatest hits album drop before the greatest hits album drop I think that um everything that works for Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince will not work for every other artist on that label they had a, a um a certain crossover appeal that we didn't have mm. You know, at the time, Will was doing, um, you know, he's doing television and movies and all this stuff. So, of course, his fan base is going to be crazy. But what you tried for Will can't work for the Fushnikins or any other act. So, for me, I got to the point where um, Nervous Breakdown was one of the most creative albums for me. Because I had to, to really sit there. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that no one really spoke about, but there was a lot of work put into that album. That album was supposed to be a solo album. Mm. Supposed to be my solo album. But I, I figured at that time, we didn't we didn't peak the way in which we were supposed to. So coming off of What's Up Doc to do a solo album would have been perfect for me. But, you know living purpose at the time coming off of What's Up Doc and doing a second album made so much sense so you're peeking with What's Up Doc and everybody's going crazy and then we drop Breakdown and that just murdered everything where everybody was like where are these guys really from because that really um, showed the creative side of the group now no one is really trying to say that they're you know the Fushnikins are from East Flatbush Brooklyn when you do a record like Breakdown Mm-hmm. That sound like a total West Coast record or Midwest, but they're just like, well, these guys did a record like this and it worked. So now everybody's like, well, we can't be pigeonholed to a sound. You can't be pigeonholed to the New York sound because these guys are not pigeonholed to anything. They 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 dropped a reggae song. They dropped a straight up hip hop song with 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 Tribe. They just dropped a, a um a, a Midwest song, you know, with with um, Eric Sermon and. It, it it put us in position to do what we wanted to do at the time. And I think at that point in time, Jive was like, you know, wh- what do we do with them now? And for me, when you get to that point, it's time to get... It, it, it's kind of scary because I'm I'm not doing anything out of the, out of the norm for me. Right. You know, I'm not wearing anything weird. <laughs> I'm not, you know, pairing up with MCs that you would... You would most likely hear me... Most likely hear me pair up with. I'm not doing that, so... I rather bow out gracefully, and I think that um, I started recording a couple of songs at the time, and then I stopped. You know, I stopped right after that, and um, those songs they used for the greatest hits, which was original Rude Boy and some of the stuff like that, and the response was crazy all around the world about doing a reggae album. <clears throat> I just never done one, but other than that. Um, that's how the greatest hits um, started, and that's how we actually got out of our contract with Jive. Was actually just giving them those records. It's a three contract, three, yeah. three album, yeah. three you album. Done. Done. Got that. So when did you start? I mean, you mentioned uh, 
Nervous Breakdown being the solo album. But when did you start thinking solo? Why Why did you start thinking solo? I wasn't thinking solo. Jive was thinking solo. For you? Yes, because everybody was like... And because they started seeing everybody mimic. And they started seeing certain groups mimicked after the Fushnickens. You had one guy that could do a little reggae. You had one guy that... You know, two other guys. And there's, right. there's a ton of groups that I could mention... <laughs> You know, with that whole situation, but um, I always wanted to do a solo album, you know, because there's there's so many dimensions to myself that no one knows. But and but then when people hear certain records, they're like, "Well, why why haven't you done a solo album?" I haven't done a solo album back then because I was more so thinking of the group and the history, mm. you know. So that's over now. The group did what it did history now it's time for other things and, and and that will be shown pretty soon so so you know as i'm researching for our interview uh -huh. you know, i obviously type in chip Fu. Mm -hmm. uh google does does its thing mm -hmm. and then i come on solo tracks and i mentioned this in the intro but then i also find a uh a, a jungle rock jr Mm -hmm. So who is jungle rock jr and how did you come up with that name jungle rock jr jungle meaning the sound I mean, I'm junior to the sound. Basically, everything was created in the jungle. You could actually sit in the jungle and just close your eyes and listen, and you will hear every sound known to man. Because when you look at keyboards, right, the old keyboards back in the days that had sound in them, they'd say where the sound came from, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Remember you symbols from from Australia, <laughs> you know, rocks, <laughs> right, rocks being clapped together in the, in the Everglades. Oh my God, we're, we're really dating ourselves. Walkmans <laughs> and, exactly. and synthesizers. So I'm sitting there going, all right, the whole Jungle Rock Junior side was just <clears throat> a different moniker for myself. So, you know, whenever I put out reggae music, I just put it out under that moniker. And there's times where you know, promoters would book me, didn't know who they were booking. They were booking Jungle Rock Jr. And he's actually filling out stadiums and theaters with records that's just floating under the radar. And then when I go there, they're like, you know, you look like Chip Fu. And I'm like, dude. And he's like, you, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, no. I'm doing festivals with Shaggy and, and all these dudes. I'm not the dude that's walking out there with the band. I'm mm. walking out there with, with, I'm still keeping it hip-hop. I'm walking out there with my DJ, and I'm just like, yo, throw on these beats, and we just could do whatever. But that was just, <clears throat> the whole Jungle Rock Jr. was just for me to be able to release certain things so people could hear the other side and be prepared for, you know, what's to come. Mm. Right? Uh, your track, uh, the video for your track, uh, mm. Put Your Paint On. Put on your paint, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it starts uh, with words on the screen, kind of a black background, and mm -hmm. one word kind of sentence that stood out to me was, quote, never dumb down or change for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, what is that a reference to? Do you think it is a reference to hip-hop music, and or is it a reference to reggae music as well? But uh, who's dumbing down and who's changing? The world is acting, to me, the world is acting like they need to dumb down. But everything is moving so fast. So there's no need to dumb down when everything is moving fast. If everything was moving slow, then you dumb down. But the age that you're in, the age that we're in, there's no reason to dumb down. You understand what I'm saying? And I said that because a lot of people um, started getting afraid of lyricists. 
Like, oh, he can really rhyme. I don't want to hear him. He, he like he took his time with his penmanship. You know, I, don't, I don't want to deal. You, 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 you're saying so many words. I don't want to deal with you. You know what I'm saying? And for me, I was like, no, that that's part of the art form. You know, for a person to sit there at their, their kitchen table because I still do that. Sit at the kitchen table and write. And you put time and energy to what you write. And it's in, and people get it. I think when they get it, it makes more sense. You know what I mean? So when I did that record, I did it to show that there was no dumb downing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to come from a reggae record and step in, you know, through the, the picture frame and walk right into a hip hop record. So I'm, I'm not going to change a dumb down for anybody. And there's a record we have called Dumbfounded. Yeah, that that states yeah why I won't dumb down for anybody. Yeah, I want to I want to get more in your the the fact that you're able to switch from hip hop to mm. reggae mm-hmm. is extremely fascinating to me because thank you, uh, especially because I can't write a rhyme to save my life. Right, and uh, but it's also like it's, a, it's amazing because there's something cre- creatively you have to have two different switches in order I imagine to <clears throat> do that. So a couple of questions: is, How is the writing process different? for you are the same writing reggae versus hip hop. And then also has there been moments where you have an idea for a hip hop record and realize that it only works better as a reggae record or vice versa? Ring the alarm was that record. Really? Yes. I was rhyming on a record, killing it lyrically. And, um, it didn't make any sense to me because it, what I was doing was not, it didn't match the chorus. And the weird thing was the guy, Tennessee, who we sampled, actually came down and was staying across the street from me in Brooklyn in a basement apartment that he rented out. And I actually sampled his record because he was there. And um, I went back. The original track was um, Going Way Back by um, Just Ice. That was the Mm -hmm. drum track for Ring the Alarm before it changed. So I wrote it with the intent to just kill it with just rhymes, but then I was like, no, let me let me go back. And then that's what came out, ring the alarm. I don't want to say more about what, you know, ringing the alarm, right. just letting people know that we're here. I think the writing process for me when doing reggae records is more emotional because that's 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 me. That's 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 the island side of me, you know. When I when I think about that, I, I you know I I resonate more with family when when doing reggae records because of what used to go on in the household. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And if there's a certain line that I say that everybody can remember, they're like, I remember that line. I mean, I think rhyming for me is the crossword puzzle. One of the, the, the most incredible crossword puzzles you could ever do. And I don't think anybody could do a crossword puzzle like me. You know what I mean? When it comes to, to me and my cadence and how I put songs together, you can't do it. You know what I mean? So, so to be able to balance the both of them, I think that um, some people say gift and curse. I just want to just say that it's it's the gift because I could never get tired of writing, and I don't get writer's block mm. because I could borrow from anyone. Right? You know, if I'm stuck here, I'm like, let me write it and say it this way, or you know, I never, you know, and I shall never get writer's block. You know what I mean? But I think that um, <clears throat> the one person who brought that to my attention was Jamalski. And I have to give him props. Um, uh, it was a um, man, Wetlands, an old club in the village called Wetlands. Yeah. Um, they had a competition there, and Jamal Ski was there. And Jamal Ski was like, um, 
Well, listen, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to do one competition for hip-hop and one competition for reggae. And I was the only person assigned for both. So he was like, what are you doing? I was like, yo, I want to do both. So he was like, all right. So I went on the hip-hop side, destroyed it. So then now I'm going on the other side um, for the reggae. And they threw on a reggae beat, and I started singing. And it was like, this is odd. And then... Jamalski came comes out and, and cuts it off and was like, yo, you're the first person I met that could do something like this. He was like, you know, you got to understand you have a gift. <clears throat> and in every club, I did that. Mm. And I started gaining, you know, uh, momentum behind the fact that, yo, you could throw on anything and this kid is going to, he, he's going to rip it. You know what I mean? So that's how that worked out for me. And I love the fact that I, I can, I can hear a regular beat and hear reggae elements in the reg in, in a regular hip hop beat that no one would hear. So that, that so when I write something like that to that beat, they're like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have heard that. You're right. Yeah. I didn't hear those elements in it. I'm like, well, you're not listening. You're not hearing what I'm hearing. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm gonna turn to uh, May 27, 1994. <clears throat> okay. uh, Nickens takes part in a huge performance, the last Arsenio Hall show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, MC Lights there, Naughty by Nature, Wu Tang, Das FX, Tribe. Um, what was that performance like? But also for some, for people that don't really understand, uh, I think the importance of Arsenio Hall was the hip hop. Mm-hmm. Can we? Can you talk about that a little bit? Hip hop never was on television because everybody was afraid of the messages that hip hop would give. Even if you had a positive song, people were just like you cannot put that on late night television. Late night TV was supposed to be for uh, middle-aged people that came home after working, you know, a hard day's work and would just open a can of beer and sit down and watch some late night television. And that's what it was supposed to be about, questions and answers with their favorite uh, actors or whatever. Arsenio was like, listen, you know, I was brought up in hip hop. I'm going to turn this into what I want to turn it into. So every artist, whether it be rock and roll, punk, reggae, um, hip-hop, he had it on his show. Whether you're controversial or not, he had you on his show. And um, I think if it wasn't for Arsenio, you, you you wouldn't have known about a lot of artists. I think everybody ran home to watch Arsenio to see what other artists he would have. You know what I mean? And you, you're seeing reggae on, on Arsenio. It's like, yo, he, <laughs> you're seeing Mad Cobra on Arsenio like, wow. You know, I would have never thought Mad, you know, Arsenio would book Mad Cobra, but he booked Mad Cobra. And he booked Shabba Ranks and, and, and um, all these other people. You know what I mean? So that's that was the importance of Arsenio Hall. So to hear that they were canceling his show it struck a nerve with the community, with the hip hop community because it was like, you know, that was the platform mm-hmm. where now you had all the record companies going, well, where are they going to go now? Like where, you know, how can, who are we going to pitch our artists to now? So <clears throat> I think that was the weirdest meeting in the history of hip hop because you have a room filled with everybody. Nobody's talking to each other yet. I remember coming out of my hotel room and you see, I'm seeing everybody and their mama, but no one is talking. 
because everybody was in that headspace like, yo, this is the last performance on us in your hall. So we went into a practice space. They had this huge practice space for us. And I walked in and, you know, you got Wu-Tang over here. You got <laughs> Naughty by Nature over here. And, and um, it was real quiet. And then you see Pete Rock over there. And as soon as he pressed play, everybody started looking at each other. And we put the show together. And it was everybody left the egos at the door about mm. who's going to go first, who's going to go second. We put that whole show together. And that was all practice. How much practice? All practice. How you saw it yeah. is how we practiced it. And how it came out is how we expected it to come out. The only thing that we didn't practice was the Mad Lion part, which was one of the most incredible parts in it because... You know, Karis one came out and freestyled his verse mm-hmm. and then brought Mad Lion out to top everything off, which made it even, which, which took it to another place. You know what I mean? So I think that was one of the most creative days in hip hop because you could have had MCs arguing, nah, let me go first. Like, yo, your record ain't even really moving. All that could have been yeah. said. That was all left at the door. And it was more so about um, being a part of history. Like, I don't even think there'll be anything as historical as that event. Right. And I think that someone needs to do a documentary about that event. Because there's so many, there's so many stories that could be told about that day because of all the groups that were there. Right. First and foremost, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that's no longer with us. You have Old Dirty Bastard, you have Guru, and you have Fife. They're no longer here with us. Everybody else is still here. So there's so many stories from so many parts that people could talk about about that um, last Arsenio Hall show. I remember sitting down and half of the artists filled up the entire front row, the entire front bleachers at the show. There was that many artists there. There was so many artists there that didn't even get on the song, but was just there just to show, um, you know, their respects. Did was the appreciation, do you think the appreciation for what was happening, was it, do you think it was immediate or? Oh, it was super immediate because people kept talking about that show. And when Arsenio Hall came back to late night TV, everybody was petitioning for him to do, to, to start the show with everybody that did that right. performance for him like, Yo, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start my show like this, right? And bring everybody back, and it, it would have made so much sense to start it like that, and then talk about who's here and who's not here. You know what I mean? But I, that that was a great day for hip hop, a great day for hip hop. You know what I mean? A great day because it, you know, and to be a part of that, it just lets me know how much of an impact you know we had when it came to the culture at that time because he was like yeah I only want the hottest people and he spoke to Queen Latifah and was like I want the Pushnikins I want so and so and just to be on that lineup and then you're seeing the list and I'm like and then you have to pick one person from your group right I was the only person that rhymed from my group so 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 for me that was like yo you put a stamp on the culture and, and that that was you know that's history that's history in the making right there that's it uh, you mentioned 
music that you're gonna that it sounds like you have music in the works uh why do you why do you keep what what keeps you going what keeps you uh wanting to be a part of the culture wanting to rhyme wanting to do reggae what keeps me a part of the culture for me it's the fact that I don't think that people have heard everything yet it's the fact that I don't think this is There's so many things that can be said and done that no one even thought about doing yet. And I think for me, how I think, I think I can do all those things. And that's why I continuously record. And even when it comes to the reggae side, I'm like, well, you guys really don't even know yet. You know, and even when I sit amongst my friends, new friends, my old friends would tell my new friends, dude, you don't even really know. You know the type of stuff that this guy can do because of of how I move, but um, I think nowadays it's a difference because you know now I'm not afraid to showcase certain you know certain things when it comes to music, and the music is coming quicker. You know what I mean? And it's it's I had a nice hiatus, you know, after my mom passed, you know, and it it put me in a different headspace, man. Uh, a different headspace but to finally be out of that headspace and I finally got to the point where you gotta stop thinking about her passing and her pain and think about her peace mm. which makes more sense to me yeah. so now that she's at peace I just need to just destroy everything you know what I mean and just live out her legacy like alright you took that plane over here to make sure we were alright so now that I'm in this position let me let me really just show these people what I'm about when it comes to music you know what I mean like that I'm one of the dudes that no one should ever in their right mind count out not me I, I've always thought that way from young don't ever count me out of certain things I don't care how much rhyme I don't care how much people respect you on whatever rhyme level that's one thing I, I don't I, I don't I don't ever want anybody to do and that's not coming from a, um, I'm a better I'm better than you and da 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 type thing. That's that's never been me. Right. You know what I mean? But that's that's how I move with me when it comes to, to, to I take my craft very serious and I don't ever want a person to feel that when it comes to anything lyrically, don't 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 contest me with nothing like that. Mm-mm. It ain't gonna be a good day for nobody. But if we if it's just about music and continuously putting out music, I think that um as an artist coming up you, they they look for the, that their muse or whatever, and I always want to be that positive image, image when moving forward. And you know, there's artists that come up to me and be like, "Yo, man, I learned this from you, this and that." Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. That's how I was raised. But that whole other side, nah, leave that alone. <laughs> Please leave that alone. I, I stand by that. Please leave that alone. Yeah. Uh, I know we've been here for a while, so I, I want to end with this. Um, you've done a lot, obviously. You've written a lot. Is there a not just a lyric from hip hop, but also a lyric from reggae that kind of stands out to you that kind of reinforces the fact that you're really good at what you do. Lyrical concoctions. Lyrical concoctions atop a concoctum. Competitors atop the top them, a stand atop them, a one foot on top them. That says so much to me. You know? <laughs> Never ponder upon, never ponder upon when I'm punning, never ponder upon when I'm punning, like big pun, I'm a punish it numb. No one else is doing that. No one else is sitting down there understanding how to 
to dissect words into pieces like that. So for me, there's thousands of those things that I have in my books that I know that if it's said, it, it'll it'll make people really think about going back to their penmanship or, or you know or their pen mm. game. Like people don't think like that. Anytime I dumb down at my level, the dumb down will leave you dumbfounded. Come on, <laughs> they're not thinking like they're thinking like. But me, I'm sitting there saying, once I say this, mm-hmm. I don't care where I'm at when I say anything that I'm writing. Once I say it, it has to put you in position to be like, yo, I didn't think about that. I don't want to say something and it was already said. That's right. bothersome to me. Like when I hear certain lines that other people, da, 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 like so and so, I'm like, everybody heard that already. Right. I want that when I say what I say, you're stuck. Like, yo, I, I didn't even think about putting those words together. So for me, so for me, those type of lines will always be endless when it comes to lyrics for me, because that's 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 something I don't play with. I got a song called "Lyrics" as my hobby and favorite subject. That when that comes, yeah, that's I just can't wait for the new material. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm ended on that. Yeah, it's funny when uh, I I got to see the UMTV raps uh, mm-hmm. at the Barclays and uh, when you came on mm-hmm. and rhymed, I. Made it. I was like, I gotta reach out to him and try to get an interview with him, okay. and kind of was blown away. I mean, because I, I never got to see you guys live, so right. I was just like, wow, he's still doing this, mm-hmm. and he's better than most people out there. You know, like I mean, it was this, and and the reaction from the crowd was mm-hmm. incredible to watch. Right, uh, I had the upper cheap receipts. So I, was, I, I think for me, um, that did that show did a lot for me. One is it it um. It was the ending and the beginning, meaning the ending of un- the ending of old mm-hmm. and the beginning of new for me at that point in time. And just watching the crowd, the reaction and everything, it 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 just it made me understand it's you. And I was just like, all right, cool. And I I took that from that show. That's awesome. That's great. You know what I'm saying I took that from that show. Like it's you. I don't care where we put you or whatever, and you didn't even have enough time, but it's you. And I was just like, you know, thank God for that. And I was I was super appreciative of, of having the opportunity. Mm. Now, behind the scenes, everybody didn't know what was going on, but my thing is, is understanding. <laughs> like I put that in there. It was actually understanding, because it's more so it's the domino effect. You have to always say to yourself, what did you get out of the situation? And when I got out of that situation was it's you that's what i got out of that situation yeah mm. that's it uh legendary chip foo uh yeah, it's, it's been legendary that's 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 dope i still got some more legendary <laughs> things to do i'm very super excited for the new stuff that's coming out yeah uh, it's a it's a great honor to have you on the show no, thank you for having me uh, i don't normally do interviews <laughs> i wanted to do this interview I appreciate that. Yeah, nah, I seen what you're doing, you know, for the culture. Now it's just like, nah, that's that's one interview I'm going to do. Thank you so much, man. Nah, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for having me. me.